0: It's only two verses, so I'm just going to read it for us, and we're going to just jump into the sermon. The Word of God says this. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I have a question to begin our sermon. So I want you to take a look at this slide. What do you want to be known for? If there are a few words to describe your life, what do you want to be known for? Do you mind just sharing with the person next to you? I know it's a little bit of a heavier question. Usually it's like, oh, what do you like to eat? But, okay, this is very important for our sermon. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with the person next to you, what do you want to be known for? Few words that can describe your life when it's all done.
1: Okay, go ahead, share that with the person next to you. All right, and you like to share? Maybe just out loud with everyone. To be a Eagles fan, okay. You know, I'm 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 glad we have high goals for ourselves.
0: Okay. Uh, anyone else like to share anything? See, I knew this was gonna happen, so I already have some answers prepared. Okay. When I was young. Uh, My goal was I wanted to be the best Asian basketball player to ever be created by, you know, God himself. And that faded really quick based on my skills. And then it changed to I want to be the best orthodontist that I could ever be in my life. Because my orthodontist was a cool Korean guy. And I thought, wow, you know, I want my life to be like him. And then I realized that I have to be in people's mouths and mouth smell. And then, you know, it changed. And then all of a sudden it became this whole ordeal where now I want to become the best accountant. And we have these goals. But this is a very important question for us to ponder, because it shapes our life, doesn't it? It shapes the direction, what you want to invest in, what you want to commit to. And so this morning, what I want to look at is this. Not so much what people think, but when God looks at your life, what do you want it to say? Because we're going to look at a man today, his name was Enoch. And his few words that describe him was a man that pleased God. Isn't that amazing? Like, at the end of it, if God looks at your life, my life, and he could say, you know what? He was pleasing to me. That would be something worthy of pursuing. Amen?
1: Okay, maybe you're just not awake this morning, okay? But, I mean, think about
0: that. If God would look at you, Dan, if God would look at you, you're done. You go before God, and God says, well done, good and faithful son.
1: You were well pleasing to me. That would complete my life. And we meet a man here. That's what it says. If you look at Hebrews 11.5,
0: it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. God, amazing, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. My prayer and hope for all of us, we're going to look at Enoch's life so we can maybe learn a few things so we can emulate it into our lives so that we can learn how we can be people that are pleasing to God. So that's where we're headed. You guys with me? Okay, all right. I feel like it's getting better, so I'm going to just, I'm going to keep pushing you. And hopefully it'll get there, okay? Point one, why was Enoch pleasing to God? Well, Enoch was pleasing to God because he walked with God. There's very few details given about Enoch's life throughout the totality of scripture. There are only four verses in all of the Old Testament that talks about Enoch. And it's found in Genesis 5. So I want you to look there. In verse 21, it says this. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch, what? He walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Once again, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. When the Bible talks about walk, it's talking about your manner of life. What do you invest in? What does your life look like? And it's interesting, right? When you walk with someone, it means there's like a real relationship, isn't there? Like you wouldn't walk with a stranger. Like if you're walking like at an outdoor mall and some stranger walks right next to you, that's awkward, right? you would be like trying to speed up. What if he tries to hold your hand? You're like, whoa, hey. There's something intimate about walking with someone. And here it describes, in the only four verses mentioned twice, that Enoch, what he was known for, he was pleasing to God, because he walked with God. And now think about this. How unspectacular is Enoch's life? It never mentions him as a giant in the faith. It never talks about his life as having what? Slain giants. He's not a person that took God's people out of Egypt. He's not a person that met God in a fire in the bush. It literally, his life was about walking with God, which meant every single day, be in step with God, spend time with God. Think about that. It's so unspectacular,
1: but so profoundly important for all of us. See, sometimes when we think about pleasing God, we think of these huge
0: events of things, right? I used to do college ministry and, and, you know, these dreams that these college students would have, they'd be like, I'm going to go to where no one's ever heard the gospel and I want to die there for Jesus. It's like, okay, great. Okay, that's fantastic. But what about just waking up on time, going to class, and then reading your Bible every day? Right? So like sometimes we get so enamored by these great visions and dreams. What about just being faithful in the little things that God calls us to? You know, Hudson Taylor, I love this quote. It says, a little thing is a little thing, but being faithful in a little thing is a big thing. And I love that because I think sometimes we forget that what pleases God is waking up and
1: just walking. To spend time. To be faithful in the little thing. In the mundane. To spend time with him. That is what pleases.
0: This is when we send out missions teams. We make it very clear. Our goal for you isn't to go on missions. It's to live missional. Because to go on missions is an event. To be missional every day. That's being faithful. Daily. Walking. And we learn a very valuable lesson that sometimes life isn't about the high mountain types. Where you're doing something for God, it's to walk in the little things with God every single day. I don't know about you, but I need that reminder. Sometimes I miss that that's the most important thing that pleases God. Um, I don't know if you remember the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10 where Jesus gets invited into their house for a meal. And maybe you know this story, but I want to read it for us again because I think there's something very valuable that really is connected to Enoch's life in this. So I want you to follow along. In Luke 10, verses 38, it says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with what? What's that word there? With much serving. And when she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about what? About many things. And then some very powerful Jesus says, he says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. See, sometimes we are so busy with the much, the many things that we want to maybe do for God. And we forget that the one necessary thing that pleases God most is if we would just be his child and we would walk You know, one thing that I was encouraged, and I heard this over the radio, is uh, there was this woman who said, I take one-minute vacations every day with God. And it really spoke to me. Because I don't know if you've ever had seasons where you're like, man, I need a vacation, right? Anyone? You've had those moments, right? Maybe it's you today, okay? Like, I need a vacation, man, right? And then, but it's not like you could just, like, all right, I'm going to go to Hawaii. Like, you can't just do that. So this woman was sharing on the radio, and it really struck me. She said, I just take a vacation every day. Every time I I feel very stressed, I just, I stop whatever I'm doing. I just go to God, and I spend one minute, because I don't have 30 minutes. I don't have an hour. So one minute, whenever I need that, I just spend time. And it's like a vacation, and it renews me. And I realize that that is the one thing I need instead of going to Hawaii. Not that
1: Hawaii's bad. I love Hawaii. I love it, but... That's the daily being faithful, walking with God. And
0: I've been practicing that. And it's been amazing. And you'd be shocked at how often you catch yourself saying, like, I need a vacation in your mind. And then it's triggered me to just go to the Lord and spend one minute with Him. It's just transformed the way I approach every single day, realizing that what pleases Him is not what I do, what I try to attempt, it's just walking with in step now why is this necessary in your life you guys remember that that poem footprints anyone you guys remember that i used to have a little copy at my house growing up and now as i get older that poem has way more meaning than when i first read it i don't, I don't know for you i, I want to share that poem with you because it's about walking and i want you to see why it's necessary okay it says this one night i dreamed a dream, the dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most,
1: you would leave me. Jesus whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you.
0: Never, ever, during your trials and testings,
1: when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. I want you to know something. Why is it that we need to walk with God? It's because you need Him. I'm telling you right now, there are going to be days where you just cannot do it on your own. And as his people, when we're next to him, he will carry us through. To be faithful in the little mundane things. We see that in
0: Enoch. And I pray that it would be something that we would try to practice every single day. The second thing we see. Enoch walked with God. Without faith, it is what? What? Impossible. It doesn't say difficult. It says literally impossible to please him. Now, that's well connected with what Enoch said. Because he pleased God. But now we see it is impossible to please him without faith. What is the author of Hebrews trying to tell us? Is that he walked with God because he had faith in God. Why is that important? Because our life is not about doing it, but it's about our faith that activates a lifestyle for God, right? This is why in our crosswalk ministry for our kids, you know, two years ago, we changed the curriculum. Because Peter came up to me and said, you know what, I want to talk to you about our curriculum. And one of the things that he brought up to me was he was saying, it's so much about like being kind, being thankful, you know, being nice to your, cho- like, to your, your brother and sister, which are not bad things, but we're teaching our kids to be moral, to do good things, and that's not what Christianity is about, right? It's about what? So we changed the whole curriculum to be gospel-focused, so that when our kids grow up, they realize that it's about faith, trusting in a God, loving Him, and so because of that, that activates a lifestyle of being kind to my brother and sister. Does that make sense? In Enoch's life, we see that. That he, it, it literally, it's not so much that he walked with God, but it's powerful because he walked with him because he trusted God. And think about that. It's hard to walk with God if you don't trust him because why would you invest all that time in spending it with God if you don't trust him? And so we see that it is activated. This is what Jeff Bethke says, he was a pastor. He says about this verse he says, Faith is not just cheap belief or empty words. Faith, if he's saying this, is the activator. Faith is the active principle that leads to an entire lifestyle that pleases God. Faith activates good works. Faith is what we need to focus on. It is impossible if you do not believe in it. Uh, My kids are really into slime these days.
1: Any of you guys? Slime? I despise it. but you could have the glue and you could stir that thing all day, right? Ain't going to turn to slime.
0: What do you need? See, Yeah, activator, right? Without the activator, it's nothing. You can sit there all day, fast, slow, fast. It's the same thing, right? So the glue, if you can imagine, is kind of our good works. It's the walking with the God. It's, it's the obedience. You could do that all day. If you don't have the active principle of believing in God, none of that matters. But you see how powerful it is if you have that active faith that now all of a sudden all of this is
1: such a glorifying, honoring, pleasing thing to our Father above. If you read verse 6 on, it says this. It is impossible to please him, for
0: whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So take a look here. You can put up that slide. It is saying that we ought to believe that God is real, okay? even though he's invisible, that he's real and available for us, and that he rewards, meaning that he's good to you. He keeps his promises, and that you ought to trust in him in these two areas. Now, why is this powerful? Because I don't care how long you've been a Christian, this is something that you struggle with, okay? Because if you've ever caught yourself asking a question such as, God, where are you? That's pertaining to one. If you've ever asked questions like, do you not love me? How could this happen to me? Why are you doing this to me after all I've done for you?
1: It's talking about pertaining to part two. And in the life of Enoch, he trusted that God was real,
0: available, someone that he walked with and had a real relationship with. And he believed that investing in him, God would carry him through and his promises would come true. He would be faithful and God would be good
1: because he is one that loved God. What we ought to. It says faith. That's what we ought to believe. It's hard, isn't it?
0: It's hard at times.
1: I still remember growing up. I I didn't really grow up in a church, but we would.
0: My mom would force us to go to this one youth group, and they would always start their service with this thing, and they would say, "God is good," and you guys know, right? And then the, the youth group kids would be like, "What?" All the time. And be like, all the time, like, God is good. I hated that. I mean, I really did not like that, okay? But they would force us, like, if I didn't do it, my teacher would, like, give me that stink eye, right? So I'd be like, all the time, God is good. But I did not like that. No, th- uh, let, me, let me share why. It's not so much, like, that was, it was weird, but, like, no, that's not why. It, it, it was because, at that point, my life was falling apart. My family, it was, it was a mess. My parents were almost divorced. I mean, there's... So many things going on. So when I came and you were saying that to me, I didn't believe a word of that, that God is good all the time. I struggled with that. You you hear what I'm saying? And so, I mean, think about all of us. We will go through seasons when something happens, and you will have that test of faith where you will say, is God real in my life? And can I trust him? Is he good? And in Enoch's life, he pleased God because even though maybe things were crazy or rocky at
1: times, you don't know, he trusted. Because of that, he walked. Um, It's very interesting. If you look, I, I don't know if you caught this,
0: but did you know that Enoch, like he didn't walk with God all his life. Did you catch that in Genesis? Did you see that? What does it say about him? I want us to go back there real quick. If you go, it says in Genesis when Enoch had lived 65 years he fathered Methuselah okay and then verse 22 it's, it's very short and succinct but it says something very profoundly important we know something about his life it says this Enoch walked with God what? after he fathered Methuselah so for 65 years he probably did whatever you know he wanted and then he had a kid and then bam what happened? Started walking with God. Interesting.
1: Why? Because having a kid rocks your world, doesn't it? You are messed up.
0: You realize, I have no control over anything. Right? I mean, don't you learn that? You can't control the sex. You can't control when it happens. You can't control the height, whether they're athletic, unathletic. You can't control anything. Like yesterday, uh, we had a, a first birthday for one of our uh, you know, dear friends here, and then afterwards, we went to South Coast Plaza to just kind of hang out. So my, while my wife was shopping, I, I took my kids to the Lego store, like I always do. And so the kids started playing, and then I ran into, just coincidentally, one of my friends. He was a pastor way back in the day. I haven't seen him in a long time, and he has four kids. I knew him when he had two kids. So when, we, when I saw him, I was like, oh, are those all your kids, <laughs> kids right? So we were, we're kind of talking, kind of chumming it up, and you know, he had kind of left ministry, so we're catching up. And, and I was kind of, I threw at him. I was like, oh, hey, did you, are you guys done, right? You have four? He's like, yeah, we're done. And then he started sharing why. It's not so much because he didn't want to have more kids. On his fourth kid, his wife almost died because she was hemorrhaging. It was very dangerous. And so because of that, he said, yeah, we're just not going to have any more. And then he started telling me about all four of his kids, how he had so many complications. With the third one, okay, okay. Uh, He was born with a kind of a bad eye. So it was like 22,000. So then they didn't know until like age three. He started getting a lazy eye because the brain just decided this doesn't work, so I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to use the good eye. So it started going lazy, and it wouldn't move. So when they finally caught it, the doctor said, you have a year. If it doesn't improve, he's going to lose that eye. So now he wears a patch on his good eye like four or five hours a day to retrain this eye. The brain will activate and try to use it even though it's really hard. And he said for about a year he has PTSD because on a three-year-old he had to put a contact in the eye, and he would fight and scream like it was, life was over. So that was his third. His second kid, a month and a half early, premature, almost lost her. His first kid, two and a half months early, almost lost her, him. So he's sharing all this. I'm thinking about
1: my sermon and I'm like, brother, I know, right? It's it's very interesting because God will bring, God will bring into your life a test of faith day.
0: You know, for Methuselah, I mean, through Enoch, it came through Methuselah.
1: But maybe for some of us, it's going to be something else. You know, as your pastor, I'm praying that this year you have that day. God wakes you up, and you're tested in your faith, and you have to learn to just truly trust Him—not to
0: have words that you believe, but truly that you start walking in it.
1: Look, my hope is not something bad happens to you. Okay, that's not—that's not what I'm saying. It could be a blessing, like having a kid. For all of us, do you truly believe that God is real? That He's good. He is. And I pray that your faith would increase. Because as your faith increases, I know that you will start to see, I need to walk with him. That's my prayer for us. We would be people that please God
0: because we faithfully walk mundane little things, just waking up every day and just trusting, spending time.
1: May God stir that into our lives that we could walk in a way that honors and pleases Him. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you that you are the giver of faith. And
0: for all of us here, I first pray for saving faith, that we would be people that know you, that understand, that we can come to have relationship with you only through your son, Jesus
1: Christ. But also, I pray for daily trust in all of our lives
0: that you would increase that little by little so that we would believe as we draw near to you that you exist and that
1: you reward those who love and seek you, God. May this challenge us to see you more clearly, to walk with you every single day. God. Thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.